from talkradio.nyc. Welcome to At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and owner of David Thiergartner Interiors right here in reflective and quiet Manhattan. Tonight, we are live on Facebook and we are excited to have all of you watching along with us. On tonight's show, my love affairs, design passions and a few of our most favorite things. My guest this week is interior designer Renat Lavi. Renat and I will continue our conversation from last week about design basics. I want to talk about quality and value, the best finishes, and all of our favorite things. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started. Is a wondrous thing that we'll rejoice in remembering. Our love was born with our first embrace, and the page was torn. I fell in love with my house as soon as I saw it. I fell in love with my husband instantaneously, and I have been having a love affair with both of them ever since. Whether you call it instinct or a precognition or whatever the alleged psychic ability is, all I know is that it makes my heart race, my breath short, and sends my nerves into a tingling overdrive. Our house started as a classic Greek revival one-room schoolhouse. If you try to picture it just now, you know exactly what it looks like. It has a long, almost straight, bluestone path that leads you directly from the road to the double-door recess entry. The front of the house has a large, triangle-shaped pediment that lurches forward, resting a substantial overhang on a corner pilaster. And of course, like every crayon drawing you have ever seen, the bell tower sits perfectly on top of the gabled roof, just like a cherry on top of an ice cream sundae. Once inside and Past the old boys and girls' anterooms, the volume of the space takes your breath away. The schoolhouse is 22 by 22 foot square, and it has a 12 foot high ceiling. The 100 plus year old pattern tin ceiling, well, it makes you want to smile. And the original well-used chalkboard, well, it almost immediately takes you back to school or back to the good old days. Four massive hung windows illuminated by the morning sun are the favorite spot for our two cats to sit and stare outside into the vast wilderness. When we found it, the old schoolhouse was tired. It was asking to be rescued. And like all great love stories, 
We found each other just in the nick of time. I'm sure you realize by now I could go on and on about it. And like all great passions, the schoolhouse is more than just a building to us. It's more than the history that it represents. And it's so much more than just a shelter. It's a dream come true, a creative mind well, the perfect place for a pragmatic visionary and a romantic artist. It's a good place for good and bad ideas or of plan making and of Promethean conversations. And like all good things that give you a tingle or that tugs at your heart, we have been able to fill it up with our most favorite things, things like books, all the books we have ever read or have ever wanted to, garden books, photography books, interior design books, books on Lincoln, and all the novels that have touched our hearts and our minds throughout the years. And you know, we've kept every Broadway show playbill since 1984. They are so neatly held in three-ring binders on the library bookshelves. And because I like to read every morning in the tub, one of my most favorite things is our deep, luxurious bathtub. And boy, do I have collections, collections of all kind. And throughout the years, I've been able to assemble a large amount of antique glass bottles. My favorite are the Dutch, Dutch green gin bottles, those big hand-blown bottles from centuries past. And we have art, all kinds of art, found, purchased from friends and family. We have a beautiful pair of charcoal and pencil drawings of owls from a bird rescue sanctuary. We have painted and cut paper still lives that I'm just crazy about. And we have a beautiful oil painting of the front of the schoolhouse from our very best friend, Tom. And because we live in a schoolhouse and because I have a thing about American history, we have a collection of plastered busts. Yes, busts of Washington, Jefferson, Franklin, and Lincoln, all of who watch over us every weekend. Oh, and we have all of our family's musical instruments. My mom's flute, my dad's clarinet, and my father-in-law's Boy Scout bugle. And without question, one of my most favorite things are the sweet sounds from our magnificent ebony grand piano. And you know, since we have been lucky enough to follow that which brings us joy, and since that has always been our navigating system, then sitting in my bathtub, reading a book, while my husband plays Beethoven on the piano, is without question my greatest joy and my most favorite thing in my life. When we come back, my guest tonight, interior designer Renat Lavi. Renat and I are going to continue our conversation from last week. We're going to talk all about our favorite things, our favorite colors, our favorite furniture, and all the material and finishes that make an outstanding interior possible. This is At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, and we'll be back in two minutes. I'll light the fire. Place the flowers in the vase 
that you bought today Staring at the fire for hours and hours While I listen to you play your love songs all night long Listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Did you know you've been playing poker your whole life, even if you've never played a hand of cards? Hi, I'm Ellen Lakend, author of Poker Woman and host of the new show, Poker Divas. On the show, I talk about how poker strategy helps you win in business, life, and love. Tune in live every Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi. I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow Me Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're, We're your digital, digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. So I have a lot of questions for Renat, and since we barely had enough time last week, we decided to do it again this week. Renat, thank you again for being back on Odd Home. Pleasure. So, you know, every week I like to discuss what's, what's beautiful around us and what is our personal meaning of beauty, and since we answered that question last week, I thought maybe we would change it up slightly this week. So I'm going to ask you straight out, what is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? Without a doubt, rock crystal. Wow. <laughs> so. So. Uh, this is going back to right after I finished school and I got friendly with uh, someone that was working with me um, and he invited me to a, a dinner party at his partner's, not, not um, life partner, 
And he was a pretty famous decorator. I won't say names, but uh, someone who actually was with somewhat related to Cole Porter. So he had a magnificent collection of art and artifacts and a beautiful apartment on Sutton Place. So it was the first time. I think it was done by Bunny Williams, the architecture. So I'm coming into the apartment and I'm taking it all in. It's, it's one of the most magnificent places I'd seen to date. And on the coffee table is uh, a, almost like a large necklace with these spheres that were rock crystal, as I found out, because I've never seen rock crystal till that time. My goodness. And I said, Tara, what is this? And he said to me, oh, this was Marie Antoinette's. And I gasped. Wow. <laughs> so ever since then, I've been mesmerized by anything rock crystal. And whenever I can, I try to incorporate it, be it a chandelier or a little artifact or something in, in my client's home, because I just know that it will forever be something to cherish. Beautiful. I love that answer. For me, uh, the sequoias, the redwood trees in California um, have always taken my breath away. Beautiful. I just can't get enough of those. Um, And the streets of Paris. That we agree about. I think we agree. We can have a whole segment just on that. On that, right? (laughs) There's a lot to talk about. Too much. Yeah, I agree. And and then I have this incredible painting of a a man... um, sitting in a rocking chair reading a book that means the world to me so nice yeah we have some really wonderful uh most favorite things or our most beautiful things yes um so speaking of like our most favorite things and other questions what was the most um what is your most favorite room whether you designed or maybe it's a restaurant or a ballroom or something let's just talk about all of our favorite things what what would what would that be so uh i'm gonna say two things okay because um palais royale is not exactly a room in paris in paris um it's sort of a room because it has it's a courtyard you know it's surrounded by a building it's not like just uh an open space like an open park or a garden and it incorporates the installation by daniel Varen that was installed in 85 86 and i think it's such an experience to be walking around these columns that are totally modern and being surrounded by 18th century 19th century architecture And then also with gorgeous um, landscaping. So to me, that's like the epitome of French classical and modern and landscape and architecture. Everything comes together. That's that's the spot. Yeah, it truly is unique and very special. We posted it on Facebook today or yes, on, Instagram on Instagram today so that everybody Facebook. could see it if, so if they you haven't been. Uh, but you can Google it of without a doubt. Um, but a room per se. So there is a, um, a shop. Uh, it's Dries van in in uh, Paris. Okay. And uh, it's a boutique. It's a clothing boutique. And I think it's probably one of the most beautiful boutiques in the world. You, it, it feels like you walk to s- into someone's home, 
but the the thing that I relate well with that because there are a lot of boutiques in Paris, and you know they all have this beautiful Parisian architecture with soaring ceilings, French doors or windows, gorgeous flower arrangement. I mean, you name it. So you know, it's what makes it so unique. Like, why did I so fall in love with this one in particular? Is because his sensibility to color is something that I think is extraordinary, beyond extraordinary. In his clothes, the way he uses color is very much the way I love to relate to color. Um, it's, it's sort of like a tease in some ways, and it's, um, and it's playful, but it's sophisticated. Um, I think what he likes to do, um, among things, is take a neutral palette and then throw in this sort of a bold or sherbet color. And I love that. I think it's just, um, it, it's, it's, it, it incorporates so many things that give a room the, the definition of what, what it is to me, good design. And you, and you like the, the tension and the balance of the tension. You're responding to that. That's right. Yeah, and, which is a big design, interior design principle. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why uh, I like one of my favorite rooms is because of exactly that. I love the Baccarat bar at the Baccarat Hotel on 53rd Street. Not too old. I, I love... No, no. Almost no. brand new. Yeah. A couple yeah. years old. Yeah. Um, if you haven't been, you should go. But... Uh, to have these massive, talking about crystal, massive Baccarat crystal chandeliers, none of them match. They're, they feel like the whole world is over your head, over this yes. incredible bar. And at the same time, it has a black and white checkered pine floor. And everything is a contradiction to each other. Everything is, da- is tension and then balance. And the art on the wall is you know, a classic 18th century portrait next to the most contemporary, beautiful uh, piece of art with a picture light over it. The whole thing just speaks of this conflict and tension and back and forth. And uh, Tony Ducat did it, and I thought it was absolutely spectacular. It's very much him. It's very much him. What about your your projects? What is your all-time favorite project? What, so 25 years in the business? Um, altogether, a little longer than that. Okay, but, okay. You know, but well, doing it on my do own, only about 15. Okay. So, um, yes, the favorite, favorite, all-time favorite is, uh, is the watermill house that I was so fortunate to build from the ground up. Um, it's a house in Bridgehampton. So that's the Hamptons for everybody who's not in New York or not that's familiar. Right. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, I knew the clients from a previous project that I had done with them right here on 78th Street. Uh, Always good. So, yeah. So once you really know a client and there's already a uh, trust and an understanding, I think the collaboration is that much more fruitful. Um, so that was a, a huge plus. And, you know, we're very much on the same page. You know, I get her, she gets me. She listens when she needs to listen. She, she's a good collaborator. And I love when a client is a collaborator. I love that dialogue. I love that it's, it's working together to achieve a great project. You know, you mentioned that last week when we were talking about some of our design basics and how you create this salad of materials and fabric and objects and furniture and and you have so much joy sort of 
laying it all out on the table and allowing your client to select and yes. choose what they love and then repurposing all of it back together uh, to make what ultimately is a very personal interior design exactly. for them. So, exactly. so, so that's a common thing for you. You like the interaction with clients. That's right. You like the personal touch that happens. That's I think right. successful projects are exactly that. Yes. Yes. So it was almost like designing it for me in some ways. And the fact that there was um, a good mix of elements between old and new. And and then once the project got to be built, um, because we did the architecture and the decoration more or less at the same time. Um, and then we were working on the um, landscape too with a landscaped architect so it was really incorporating everything and then the cherry on the icing of the cake was helping them to put together a real art collection nice. because we you know she wanted oh let's see what we can get for art and we went to the affordable art fair which i think is a great venue for anyone starting to do any art collecting um there's one coming up in a couple of weeks there is and we went and On she just, yeah, <laughs> and she just fell in love with the whole process of buying art. So it was going back and, and forth and we really put together a fantastic art collection. Well, you set me up for next week because next week we're talking to a gallery owner and an art consultant. So thank you oh, for that. I'm going to tune uh, in. That's quite excellent. Yes. I think for all of us, I just uh, am getting close to finishing a project in San Francisco where I too have built it from the ground up did all of the interior architecture, all the steps along the way. There's something incredibly rewarding about that to right. bring it to fruition, see it in, with the art on the walls and all the decisions that the thousands and thousands of decisions exactly. that needed to be made. There's something very rewarding. It is a little bit like choosing your favorite child, however, right? A little um, bit. Uh, because, you know, there's a piece of each one of them that's really remarkable. You can't really choose a favorite child. I talk a lot <laughs> on the show about a project in Greenwich that meant the world to me. Uh, we were able to bring in a lot of family history uh, throughout the generations and incorporated, I think, incredibly successfully into a beautiful uh, Greenwich home. So I guess maybe the key to all of that is is bringing the client, the personal relationship right into the architecture, into the design. I think that's what that's and, what it's all about. And creating someone's home where, you know, if you really do a good job and, you know, hopefully there are uh, designers out there that get this. But if you really do a good job, a, a house should have a soul. When you walk into someone's home, if it's really their home, because there's a difference between creating a beautiful uh, environment, you know, that is... You well, know, I mean, you can get that in a hotel lobby, basically, exactly. or in a restaurant. There's a difference. That's right. Yeah. But when you walk into someone's home and you feel that there is a soul and you feel there's sort of... Um, personalities and their and their joy and their their lifestyle um, to me that's like that's really achieving the best of being a designer because that's when you know that you delivered something that you know that no one else could have done and you created something so special I agree a hundred percent soul or story any I think yes. those both work um, it's also a good reason to go to the existing clients home 
um, you know, if they're living, let's say, you know, current, in, in, like their, in their current home before yes. we build out or they move to a new home. For sure. Because one of the, the best responses I get is is that sense that we didn't we didn't have a house with the soul before. We didn't have a story that we could live by. And you know that because you saw their previous home. Right? That's right. And That's so right. there's a great reward, I think, in providing for them their own personal story that they weren't able to do exactly on their own. Yep. Pretty exciting stuff. <laughs> that's why we like our job, right? Of course. I mean, I think and that's more why, than anything. Yeah, and I that's why I love residential because you really can't do it with non-residential. You can't. There's a program and, you know, and you, you execute it and it's always the same kind of parameters and, and, the code and is different. expectations. But with residential, every single project is unique. Because it comes with its whole set of personalities. And so, of course, it's, it's unique to its own. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Is there um, one object, if we continue along our most favorite things, is there one object to this day that you have always cherished, that you've, you've always had? Well, I, I think that's a question that every designer would say yes. Right? Because I would say part, I would say I had a hundred of okay, them. Okay, well, but, I do but have at one. least one. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, because... Every designer, I think, comes from um, some place where they appreciate beautiful things. Correct. And innately even. Like, it doesn't have to be something that you acquire. You know, you sort of like, as you come into adulthood, you're going to want to have something that, that you relate to as beautiful. And, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? So, um, so I do have one that I sort of feel is my my uh, prized possession that I, I would never part with. No, no matter what, I would never part with that. So it's, um, it's a small Chinese chest. Okay. It's about the size of two shoe boxes kind of put together. And it has two very skinny drawers. So it was used, I think, about a hundred and something years ago. Um, as a traveling chest, probably for um, uh, stationary, you know, for writing while you were traveling and you, you would take it. So it has like two little handles on the side. And um, what I loved when I saw it was whoever was sort of giving it the, its next life made a little stand for it. So it's now like a mini table and um, and it's special to me because... It holds my treasures. Like I just put like little knickknacks, my custom jewelry, whatever, whatever fits. Um, and I and I always think like this this little thing probably has such stories to tell. So um, so it sort of opened me to start a collection of boxes. Like that's I don't I'm not a huge collector of things. You know, I, some people like to collect and they always find. Right, like you find, like it becomes a collection. If you have two or three of something, it's, it's a already disease. it's it's a, right. It it just sticks to you. But I'm not like that. So <laughs> my house is pretty minimal. It, but this is one thing that I enjoy. I think you know little boxes because they're sort of like they always hold something, and you kind of have the mystery of oh what's in it. Like to me, it's more of a story. It's not just. And this little Asian box that you found. How long have you had it? And um, and is it like a cocktail table for you now? Is it in your bedroom? Is it? In it's the in my bedroom. Okay. And so uh, it's next to a chair. It's next to a chair, and it's I've had it for I think twenty years. I have one real quick question. We're running out of time. So you studied. You got your graduate degree in decorative arts. Correct. Was there anything 
that when you started the decorative arts program that you didn't know about that once you you're in your studies and once you you started to learn about other things was there one thing in particular that you kind of went oh my god I just am so excited to know this um yeah so there is but it's 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 going to be a a longer answer, should we? Okay, when so we get sure. Back? <laughs> We're talking to interior designer Renat Lavi. You can follow Renat on Instagram at Renat Lavi Interiors. This is at home, and we'll be back in two minutes to talk all about our favorite things. When the dog bites, when the bee stings, when I'm feeling sad. I simply remember my favorite things And then I don't feel so bad Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. Are you feeling unhappy with your body, shape, or size? Ever feel out of control with food? I'm Elizabeth Tripp, your host of Nourish the Soul. Join me to uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to living a healthy life. Join us every Wednesday at my new time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. back thank you everybody uh facebook live we're getting wonderful uh comments and uh nice to say hello to all of you as well um we're so happy to have you with us uh, it's a very special thing tonight um renat let's talk more specifically about some of our favorite choices the choices we make for our clients but i want you to finish the thought that you had before break so tell us it's like a you know it's a little suspense a little suspense <laughs> so what was the what is so the what object? did i discover yeah. um Okay, so the biggest thing I discovered was the history of New York. And um, I think it kind of made me think that people should know the history of where they live. And it would make things so much more meaningful, even when you just walk around and look at things. Um, I was fortunate to do an internship at the Museum of the City of New York. 
and we worked on a fantastic exhibition that was called The Ladies' Mile. And that's when I discovered what it was, you know, where department stores and the whole thing of shopping um, started. So um, that, along with studying other aspects of, um, of New York history and, and how it relates to the architecture and, and art, really made me understand what, what New York was about and how it kind of got to today. And I think it's important just you know, for everyone to know their surrounding and, and their history. That's wonderful. If you have never been to the Museum of the City of New York, it is quite a jewel unto itself. It's one of these wonderful small museums that just pack, pack it in. I mean, yes. they have great exhibitions yes. all throughout the year. Uh, they're done incredibly well. And uh, yeah, it's an exciting place <laughs> to go. I, I started my career on what was the Ladies' Mile, uh-huh. uh, you right. know, a hundred years later. ABC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not during the time, because I was like 1890, 1880s right. and all right. that. I wasn't quite born yet, though some days I feel like I was. Um, so let's get back into some, maybe some more industrial talk, more or not industrial, but more industri- technical. industry talk. Um, and try, and, and, and when we do this, I want to make sure that people understand uh, not necessarily the brands that we're talking about, but the qualities of the, what the items, that? what makes it special, what makes it unique, what makes it sure. something that we're interested in, that we're gravitate, we gravitate to. Yes. And so let's just start with furniture. Uh, the quality of the finishes, the construction, um, not only the design or the profile, which I think is what f- people are first attracted to. Oh, I love that table, the design of that base, the, the edge of the tabletop is so spectacular. But it really comes down to what the construction of that table is. And, and what is the finish on that table? The finish, table. the materials. And the materials, the quality of the wood or, or whatever the, sure. the items are, the metal or the, 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 the stone. So why don't you go ahead and just start with some of the things that you find are important that you would like people to notice when they're purchasing, let's say, a dining room table or a coffee table or a, a, a side table. So I think it's it's always important to me to educate my clients. Yeah, very, right? very good. And to and to really point out things that they wouldn't normally know. Because they can they can pull out a page out of a West Elm catalog and they, they love the 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 sofa or the chair or the table. But we know it's not something that's going to last. And so when I mix in, because we all love to mix the high and low, you have to. Um Sometimes it would be the upholstery that is low, and sometimes it's the case goods that are low. It sort of depends where the project is going and what the ultimate goal is. Is it, is it an apartment that they're going to be moving out in a couple of years, or is it their long-term house where they're raising kids and they're going to be living there for 20 or 30 years? And that's, that's what informs the decision of what will be high low the the usage of of the room and how much it gets you know used or abused because i think that one of the things to know is that if it's inexpensive it's probably not going to last for the most part so um on upholstery i usually like to an upholstery is sofas um chairs, chairs benches, right so um Sofas. Um, it, it's hard to say that, that it merits 
like the old days when there was uh, DeAngelis and Jonas and all these custom upholstery, made companies. upholstery companies that would make everything by hand. And it was like the Rolls Royce of upholstery. And it was, uh, you know, sought after by, by a lot of the very high end designers. I can't really justify that quality that much anymore because there's so much that's available in the middle market that's become good choices. And not to say that I don't do custom upholstery because I do, but I think that the, the, uh, the offerings that's out there has made it more difficult to justify paying the prices that you'd have to pay today to get those custom sofas. I, I, yeah, I think we've opened a can of worms here on a couple <laughs> different levels because I think like what you were saying, it's all about intent, right? So it's hard to justify a custom made sofa, which, you know, I have my own upholsterer. That's, you know, how I proceed. Yeah. If you have three small children and two dogs right. and uh, in, a, in a situation I had recently, two sick cats or elderly cats, how do you justify a $25,000 sofa? Exactly. Right. And then the fabric on top of that. It's a very difficult sell and it might not be necessary. It might they not. might not be ready for that to happen. That's right. And, and then I think that's important to know, right? I think that's important to know. Right. Because and you, I don't, you don't have the guarantee that that sofa is going to last you more than uh, a half a price sofa. You know, it's not like buying a, a, a Mercedes-Benz as opposed to a Toyota and you kind of feel like, okay, it's worth the extra money because it's probably going to drive longer and not break as much. Even with that, I have a little bit of reservations. But with sofas... The $25,000 ones and the $12,000 ones, I mean, are they going to last one way more than the other? Well, I think so it's sure. about, you know, um, will you have the sofa? Will we take this sofa with you? If we're custom building a five-kill-dried sofa with horsehair and um, all-down inserts, then this is something that we're going to have forever. And and that might be might not be the right decision for everybody. Exactly. Certainly, it's the way that I would like all of it to be. Ideally, yes. Right. But, but do I think do I think a couple pieces need to be that the main sofa? Absolutely. The two chairs that you sit in every, every day, day. Absolutely. Do the kids chairs need to be that? Do the dining room chairs need to be that? Maybe not. Maybe Does not. the headboard need to be custom built? Uh, and maybe not. So right. I think, again, like all things, it, it might be a back and forth sort of decision making process. Furniture wise, I absolutely love, you know, hand planed, uh, beautifully uh, hand stained with age and quality, some yes. sort of uh uh, deliberate attempt to uh, bring the depth and the wood, the character of the wood out into the table. That's the kind of things that steer my heart, that that makes me uh, um, get excited about the, the project. The, the real and good the, materials. The, the incredible materials and stuff. And, and I think going back to what we were talking about before, three of those pieces can be fantastic, right? Three of those pieces, and then we figure out how else to work to around work that. Around. The problem, I think, going back to the West Downs or the retailers, is that the wood finishes is what gives them away. But if you can find a glass coffee table from right. one of them, if you can find a console table that is, has a stone, a marble top, or a glass, and you can't necessarily 
uh, tell the quality as quickly as if it was a wood finish. Correct. Not done. Well. And it's not being handled like it's not being and it, yeah, it's touched to the so side. much. Yeah. So you can you can you can get away with it. What about lighting? How do you proceed with lighting? Um, again, I think there's some things that, you know, if they're high up or if they're, you know, they're in a stairwell is different than the dining room chandelier, the table lamp next to you in the sofa. Uh, bedside lamps, I think, are always an important a uh, high quality lamp to purchase. Yes. Uh, what are your thoughts on those? Um, so, of course, I like the layers. You know, I'll do a tall uh, floor lamp and then, you know, a, a, a table lamp that's a little shorter. And, you know, you kind of you, you want to sort of play it like it's a symphony. So it's so it's up and down Nicely and it said. flows. Um, I, I think we all kind of hate um, peppered ceiling, you know, I call it peppered ceiling with all those little hi hats, but they've gotten a little better. Oh, you know, now with here. with all the the really tiny um, LED, LEDs, square, yeah, square or but like really really tiny ones, I can live with that. Though it used to be those big cans that that made it Six like a Swiss inches. cheese. Yeah, yeah. So um, so I like to mix, and you know that's the trick. What 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 goes with what and the proportion and the scale, um, but I think it's important to have at least three sources of light in a room. I would agree. I mean, I think the big trick for recess lighting is to use it as little as possible. Right. Use it where it's truly important. Yes. I would never put recess lighting in a bedroom. Um, if you do have recess lighting, I think that you need. Uh, uh, a decorative fixture so that the eye focuses on the de- decorative fixture and not on the recessed lighting fixtures. I think those are just basic concepts on how to proceed with lighting. That's right. Um, if we're going to talk about lighting, I think the should be 800 watts to 1,000 watts per room if you're listening and you're trying to figure out how to light your room well. I, I like good quality light fixtures i think they make a difference to me it's jewelry it's jewelry it's incredible jewelry back to rock crystal back to rock crystal (laughs) i love rock crystal too i love rock crystal chandeliers i like the smoky rock crystal but when you have um beautifully hand rendered metal finishes and beautiful lampshades another place where people make mistakes Go to your go to a lamp store. Go to a uh, you know take your lamp to a professional uh, lampshade store and have them work the proportions and the scale of yes. that lampshade. The right harp which holds the lampshade up it makes all the difference yes. in the world. You can take a funky old lamp, give it a incredible lampshade, and you got something. Yes, right. So yes. that might be another place to really focus on. Yes, oh, we're flying right through this here. Um, the uh, you love rugs, right? I love rugs. I use a lot of Orientals, um, antique Orientals, if mm-hmm. I can. I think they speak to contemporary homes as much as they speak to traditional homes. What about you? Well, if if there is enough of a budget to do a great Oriental, then I'm all for it. Um, I was fortunate to use one in another Hamptons project in their bedroom. We used a, a 1920s rug and the house is super modern and it's beautiful but it has to be a really good uh, which you know kind of comes with the price tag if it doesn't then I'd, I'd go to Betton. i like the wool and silk um a little more contemporary but like classic which can become a little bit like like art on the floor 
before we close out this segment, I'm just going to say one thing about Oriental rugs is that the durability of Oriental rugs that people think are Amazing. so delicate yeah. and need to be so careful. They have incredible, incredible durability and strength and they're well worth the money most of the time. Yes. We've done it again, Renat. <laughs> I can't believe um, that... Oh, <laughs> that we've been able to talk through uh, this period as well as we have. Um, thank you so much for your insight and your knowledge. And will you stay with me again? And we'll take some of the tremendous amount of questions that are of coming over the wire. Um, this is At Home. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you feeling unhappy with your body, shape, or size? Ever feel out of control with food? I'm Elizabeth Tripp, your host of Nourish the Soul. Join me to uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to living a healthy life. Join us every Wednesday at my new time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com I'm half tempted to keep talking about, you know, our, our design passions and our favorite things in the industry, but we have a tremendous amount of questions to answer. Oh, geez. So I think we okay. should uh, jump right in. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. The first one. I have inherited a large collection of antique silver from my mother. I would love to display several pieces, but how do I do that and keep it polished? Any ideas? Well, I mean, it's got to be behind glass. It's got to be a vitrine of sorts, some kind of a, gla a cabinet with a glass front. So Lack um, of oxygen. <laughs> no, <laughs> Vacuum but, out the oxygen. But that's the only way. I mean, that's... Uh, well, I'm a little odd about these things. I have a huge amount of silver from my grandmother, um, just a tremendous amount. So 
I come from the school that I don't mind that it's tarnished. Tarnished. I really don't. And uh, so I have a display of it on top of a cabinet um, in my dining room. Uh, it's all tarnished. It's almost black. Um, again, it works for my schoolhouse because my schoolhouse is white and black and chalkboard right. and chalk and all of that. But it, it's up against. It's these, oh, God, 15 years now of tarnished silver the incredible shapes from, you know, the 19th century silver is so beautiful. And it's up against a painted white pine paneled wall and uh, and it works. So I think there's I don't I don't know that. I mean, if you're OK with tarnishing tarnished silver, that might be a way of doing it. Oh, I don't sure. know of anything in between. Do you know other than polishing it or putting it in a vitrine yes. or letting it tarnish? There's nothing or so, or you'd be you'd, you'd have to hire help because, you know, to be polishing it every week. Yeah, or use it for Thanksgiving and put it away. Oh, you know, that too. polish it for Thanksgiving yeah. and have a silver table for Thanksgiving if you love it that much sure. yeah. and put it away. I do know um, that the silver business, the antique silver business is not a tough so business good. these days and no. uh, not a lot of people are very interested in it. But I think either one, let it tarnish, put it in a vitrine or use it a couple times a year and, and that's how you display it. That's right. All right. Terrific. Here's the second question. My wife and I had several discussions Oh, this is good. About the quality of furniture from a large retailer. The prices are good, but I don't like the finishes. So I think that's a little bit of what we were talking about yes. before. We don't want to repeat so much. But yeah, you've got to be careful what kind of item you're, you're getting with these sort of finishes. I think, um, I think to address it maybe on a financial level is that I would determine what your budget is. I would determine how much you want to spend on furnishing your interiors. Sure. And based on that information, how many pieces of furniture that you need, then go to the supplier that offers the best quality furnishings for that price. Got it. And stop sort of, you know, looking here and looking there. along the way. I think, I think that might be a really smart way to do it. I also think that maybe we back to the, the three theory, you know, um, buy three things that are special, Right. Buy them at an antique store, buy them at a garage sale, buy them at a vintage store, get those three pieces and then fill Fill out out with other things to see. But maybe put a little bit more money into certain things and not into the overall budget. Yes. Right. I mean, I think I use that as a guideline with yes, my clients. That's, you that's know, the I really, high-low. Yeah, that's the successful high-low. I want these three things. Yeah. I'm going to make sure that it all fits into the budget. But these three things that are over the price that we would normally pay for a dining room table or right. a sofa, I'm going to go ahead with that because I promise to keep the other pieces at a considerable for discount sure. or lower cost. Okay, terrific. Um, well, I'm glad we're flying through these. Uh, I have just, oh, this is a good one. I have just returned from a two-week vacation in Japan and fell in love with Asian interiors. Is there any way to introduce new pieces into my traditional home? Well, I mean, is it Japanese or, or is it Chinese? There's a big difference in that. Oh, you think? Yeah, the the Japanese is very linear and modern in many ways. And the the Chinese is usually very carved and ornate and colored. Um, Well, let's let's pick Japanese because they came back from Japan. From Japan. So assuming it's more Japanese. Yeah, I mean, that that could be easy. I mean, you could have um, a couple of tables 
um, you could have the screens they're very well known for. I mean, that, that would certainly give you a Japanese look. And there's always art. I mean, right? Like, that's, that's the, I, I think Japanese art can be incorporated into many, many interiors. Well, I think what we talked about last week a little bit is mixing is an art. There's no question about uh, how to mix different periods, different styles. That, that, that is a, right. an art of experience and of knowledge. That's right. Um, and understanding what those are. I have had a couple successes with um, using Asian furniture, Japanese furniture. Actually, I posted one on Instagram tonight because it's one of my favorite projects. And so that mix was an a Asian console, black and ebony, with an incredible contemporary piece of art by a well-known artist. And then it all sits next to a Soho loft cast iron column. And the combination of those three elements are quite stunning together. It is stunning. So I think that perhaps it's selecting the right piece. I will also say, for me, that Asian furniture um, should be well edited. Right, that it should yes. that it should it shouldn't live in a house that has a lot of stuff in it, a lot of collection. If you have a minimal house, a contemporary house, and you could switch out your console for a Japanese console, I think that is dead on a perfect way to do it. Correct. Um, add a couple beautiful Japanese uh, handwoven baskets to sit on the cock on the side table next to your sofa. And I really think that could be a way to bring the to beauty bring of Japan, Japan back into your home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you want to sort of look at um, what Coco Chanel did with the Caramondel, Car, 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 Caramondel screen. Yeah. The uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Ah. I'm not going to be able to get it now that we said it. But yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I it's mean, gorgeous. It's the, it's big, the big uh, hand-painted Ebenezer screen. I mean, her, her sensibility was as modern as, as today's interiors. And she was very famous for using that. So, believe it or not, we're out of time. Out of time. We're not. Thank oh. you so much. Um, and just before we close... Uh, today is a, a special day in New York, and I just wanted to say that my first New York apartment was on Bleecker, right next to the Little Red Schoolhouse in Greenwich Village. And as a neophyte to those incredibly confusing village streets, I would always look up to the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center. They were my beacon, my compass home, and a symbol of my future. And as we remember back 17 years ago to that tragic day, I only hope that maybe one day the Twin Towers will also be remembered as a symbol of hope, a symbol that lights our hearts and moves us forward, reminding us all that we have a shared common humanity. Renat, thank you again. I want to thank everyone here at talkradio.nyc, Schoolhouse Number 6 Productions. I couldn't do it without you, and I wouldn't even want to try. Benjamin Keegan for my music. And remember to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, at home with DTI. Renat, go ahead and spell your name and last name and give us your, your Instagram handle. It's Renat Lavi Interiors, R-I-N-A-T-L-A-V-I, Interiors. 
and I pretty website. straightforward. Yeah. Remember to take a look at my website, davidthiergartnerinteriors.com. I need to spell that too. It's I before E, interiors.com. Join us next week as we speak to art expert and gallery owner Lee Weber of Weber Fine Art in Greenwich, Connecticut. Lee and I will discuss the strategic use of art in our homes and how to develop an amazing art collection of our very own. Stay tuned for the Noreen Sumter Show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way. And until next week on the radio, remember, the best designs for your life start at home. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Hi, are you interested in blockchain technologies and cryptocurrencies? Then tune in here on talkradio.nyc with me, David every Friday, 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. Eastern Time, as we answer your questions and interview great guests live on Internet Radio on Building the Blockchain, where you can catch the blockchain revolution. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Are you into comics, movies, and pop culture at large? What about music and TV? Then you're in for a treat. This is Michael Dolce, your host on TalkingAlternative.com. I've been professionally writing comic books, screenplays, and music articles for almost 15 years. Catch my show, Secrets of the Sire, at its new primetime slot, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and get the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. For more info, go to SecretsOfTheSire.com. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc.
You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.